0: Welcome back to another edition of the edge podcast publisher, Brendan Slaughter here for beaversedge.com coming to you with TJ Matthewson, beavers edge writer and KGO radio host following Oregon state's win over California. We'll also be previewing this weekend's matchup against UCLA As the five and one and 15th ranked Beavers. will uh, take on the 18th ranked UCLA Bruins and old chip Kelly at uh, a stadium. TJ good to be talking with you, man. It's been uh, a little bit since we chit chatted, uh, Went on a little uh, uh, excursion, a little trip, and uh, but back now, and excited to uh, chit chat with you about some football this week, man.
1: And another exciting week of football before the bye week. I'm really looking forward to this Saturday's matchup against UCLA. By the way, hope you had fun in Mexico. Always a fun time getting to go to an all inclusive resort and just do nothing. It's yeah, it it's, was. Uh, it's healing.
0: Yeah, it was. You know, shout out to my sister and uh, my now brother in law for uh, picking a really good place for a. Uh, a kind of wedding reception of sorts. It was definitely a a dream come true for her. And, you know, I'm going to start shedding a tear again here, like my uh, brother's speech at the wedding, but uh, definitely a proud moment for this older brother for sure. And uh, really fun down there, but nevertheless got a chance to uh, catch the first half of the game through the air kind of meandered my way through customs and, I was able to catch the third quarter on my phone as I'm waiting for the bus back to my car and then ultimately listen to uh, Doc Parker for the fourth quarter with the most important parts of the matchup, including uh, the two fourth quarter turnovers that we'll talk about a a little later here in the podcast. But uh, yeah, TJ, you know, not quite the game we expected going into it. Obviously, you know, like you mentioned, I was off last week, but did a lot of my Cal prep work ahead of time. And that was not the game I predicted. I predicted much more of a defensive battle between – Justin Wilcox, who I think is a, a solid defensive mind in this conference and Jonathan Smith and Trent Bray who you know I figured would kind of build on that great defensive matchup we saw against Utah the week prior. So throwing all that out the window, I'm curious just kind of what your uh, what your initial thoughts were from the game. obviously the first thing that stands out to me when I was able to watch it from start to finish, dju's best game by far he cooked at certain points in that game the receiving core looked a lot better you know able to finally make some explosive plays Uh, and then jack velling just showing up and uh, looking like a dude with three tight or three touchdowns excuse me so all that to say you know I, i like what i saw heading into this matchup with the bruins but very weird game and not one i would have expected you know 52 40 with that final uh did you see that one coming
1: I thought there was a chance DJ would have a good game. You, you look at some of the peripherals of Cal's defense before the game, and I'm like, well, surely it can't actually be this bad. But in past defense so far this season, Cal ranked outside the top 100 in past defense mm-hmm. nationally. Those numbers can be skewed, especially when you give up 59 points on the road to Washington. So I'm like, okay, well, there's it, it might not happen, but there's the, the potential for it to happen. But then hearing DJ and his radio his quick radio hit after the game on the Beaver Sports Network and hearing his energy and his confidence, mm-hmm. I like it it told it explained everything of why I did. Did you hear it by the way? I think I Ron did yes. tweeted it out. And so he was much more fired up, much more energetic than he was in his normal media scrum after the game. He had he had come down emotionally a little bit and was sure. more composed and more like his normal self. But Ron gets his interview first outside the Beaver locker room and DJ's like, man, I think his quote was, Yeah, I'm I'm like, I'm tur- I was turned up out there, like I was fired up, having a having a good time with my guys. Yeah. I knew pregame, like, man, I'm I'm about to have a game today. And again, that's the what some of the most emotion we've seen out of him yet. And it it it, it just sees how much that confidence for him gets him going and gets this Oregon State offense going as well. It could have very easily turned into a Washington State situation. It 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 wasn't the Beaver defense in the first couple of drives blowing assignments and having wide-open guys streaking sure. down the field for all of a sudden Oregon State having to chase 14 <clears throat> points. But the, the Beavers go up 14-3, and they make a couple of really, really, really bad mistakes, onside kick and fumble, and all of a sudden Cal is leading that game, and it could have been so easy for the pressure to get to, to DJ in this offense. And they churn their wheels a little bit. Don't produce in the second quarter. Cal goes into the halftime with the lead and then they can hold the Beavers at arm's length away. But no, the Beaver offense was the one that jumped back ahead and then kept Cal at arm's length throughout the rest of that football game. And especially some of those throws he had to make on third down to Anthony the the two touchdowns. They had to score on fourth down to just to keep Cal away maybe in a in a different scenario, you kick field goals there, but you realize with what that Cal offense was doing, you had to have those two fourth downs inside the red zone to go score touchdowns, and that's exactly sure. what they did. It was, it was such a promising sign for this offense. Can I promise they're going to pass this week? Absolutely not. Man, this UCLA defense is absurdly good. D'Anton Lynn, who is the son of Anthony Lynn, didn't know that until this week, mm, but interesting. his – his, uh, his, you know, I think they're paying him over a million dollars, too, from what I heard. And they, you know, they bring him in from the NFL, and he has turned this UCLA defense around. It's, I, I, I see this game very much as a similarity to the Utah game this week. But, let, like, let's stick to the Cal game here for a second before I go off on a tangent. Man, was <laughs> I impressed with that offensive performance and the defensive performance for the second time on the road in Pac-12 play this season. A little disappointing. Uh, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not even sure where to start with that defense.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think, you know, we obviously will. But like you said, the fact that the defense hasn't translated to the two Pac-12 road games, I think, is particularly telling, at least early on. Good news for this weekend is Oregon State will be back in the friendly confines of Research Stadium. They then get a bye week, which, you know, th- for this year, this team, I think it comes at a pretty good spot. Then you go on the road for a couple more games. So I think it'll be a good spot to kind of, you know, readjust things, so to speak, because like you said, going back to the offense before we dive a little further into the defense, you know, uh, I, I really thought, you know, watching that game, DJ was in the most control and you look kind of at the more advanced analytics numbers. It's his best game since San Jose state. And even more impressive because I think it's a much better opponent than Cal. And I think, you know, and I kind of wrote about it going into it. Cal is a team that's not terrible. And I, and I don't mean to say that negatively towards the bears, But like Auburn went toe to toe with Georgia not too long ago. Georgia ended up winning that game. But for a while, there was a little, little scare from Auburn. Cal had Auburn on the ropes in Berkeley and should have won that game. You know, I I understand that everyone saw, you know, Idaho was up on Cal and then just kind of immediately dismissed Cal as like a team that wasn't going to be able to make any threats this year. And I don't think that's the case. I think the Bears will get some teams and I think they're going to be pushing for bowl eligibility for sure. So certainly a game that Oregon State got tested more so than we thought maybe they should be, but still easier to correct after a win than a loss. And, you know, the running game was what I think it's going to be. I mean, obviously, Damian Martinez, Deshaun Fenwick, neither one of them crack 100 yards, but still pretty efficient on the ground, you know, over five yards a carry for both. But as you mentioned, it was the plays of the receivers that really stood out to me in this game. Anthony Gould, seven receptions for 117 yards. Have yourself a game, Mr. Gould. I mean, I think to the catch (laughs) that he made diving like this, I mean, you know, Jonathan Smith highlighted the two third down catches. I mean, he made play after play after play. And the Beavers needed them all, TJ.
1: Yeah. And to think this came the week after, I mean a lot of people were like well is there like a true wide receiver one on this Beaver roster and then Silas Bolden goes out and has the game he does against that Utah defense and all the attention is on Silas I wrote an article about Silas like man what a playmaker this guy's become look at all the different ways they're getting him the ball and then all of a sudden you know Anthony Gould comes along and is making the biggest catches of the game goes over 100 yards for the first time this season and we talked to him this week and go check it out on our YouTube channel at Beaver's Edge on YouTube, or you can check it out on the day of board or wherever wherever you want to get those videos. But you, you, you hear Anthony Gold saying, you, you know, I asked him, do you, do you get surprised when you make some of these catches? Or are you, like, kind of amazed at yourself sometimes? He's like, no, I'm just expecting <laughs> to catch all these balls. We're playmakers. Yeah. we got to make plays. And that's exactly what him and Silas Bolden have done a masterful job of doing. And to compliment, when their quarterback is on and those two receivers are on this Beaver offense is really, really, really difficult to stop. A couple other notes from this game. Yes. First of all, got to see some of the depth on the offensive line. Didn't see too much of a dip. Tali Fuaga, I think, is uh, questionable. I think yeah. for yeah. For, for we'll this see. We'll see
0: with Which a bye week. Need. Yeah, with a bye week on the horizon, if he's anywhere close to doubtful, I would imagine they would hold him, especially with Grant Stark being available to kind of be a plug and play guy there. Uh, Good news was Jake Levengood came back and, you know, they didn't, you know, really have any, any, any big injuries coming out of that game, which, you know, that's always a, that's always a key sign. And we'll also get into, you know, uh, Jaden Robinson and uh, Ryan Cooper Jr. who also didn't play in that game and Coop, I would expect to play this weekend Robinson with that hamstring. It's a little more iffy in my opinion. I, I, again, Mm kind of like going back to what we talked about with Utah couple weeks ago tj how we're like if any of their guys were close even cam rising who still hasn't played that we would have expected them to wait you know a week because they're their bye week that's an interesting kind of dynamic that they have here obviously you want to always have your playmakers back but if you know a guy isn't quite ready the benefit of having that extra week's rest is certainly helpful
1: it is they did both warm up against cal i think coop was a little closer to playing yeah. the way they made they worded it but both technically went through portions of warm-up yes, so we're yes. like we can't rule them out
0: no before. not at all
1: we can't rule them out for UCLA they did go through they they went through the process of putting pads on which sure, is yes. which is a big step. Uh secondly we saw Aiden Childs again yeah which was was curious especially in a game like this where DJ is just on fire. It right. just was 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 cooking and they still decided that it was the best thing for them to put Charles in the game. Now, Charles got to work with a short field. Silas Bolden had a great return and Charles walked down and threw a great touchdown pass on third down into the corner for Silas Bolden. I think he went through multiple yep. reads on that play yep. to get Silas open. So the uh, very the corner positive of the end zone, see, yeah. Positive to see. Uh, this point was brought up to me on the post game show though of like what happens a in a situation where Charles enters and he makes a crucial game changing mistake, potentially. He's a freshman, it could, could sure. absolutely happen. Sure. sure. And now DJ, who just got yanked out of the game and lost, I guess, what other ryth- whatever rhythm he had potentially in the game and the Beavers don't recover from that. Like and it could come back-, back to bite them, especially sure. if Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren think, yeah, we want to get Childs a series against UCLA with a backup tackle. Okay, well, you did against Utah. Uh, Childs made one nice run and took two horrible sacks.
0: Right. Didn't play again
1: <clears throat> against Utah. So do you want to do, him do that again this week? It's, a, it's an interesting decision for the coaching staff.
0: Yeah, they've certainly have established that we really want to get him a drive a game these last couple of weeks, and you know that kind of takes me back to when DJ was struggling a couple of weeks ago, and it got mentioned, and Jonathan's like, "Yeah, Charles will get out there," and I also think it's to continue to, you know, for lack of better terms, TJ, making him feel important in today's yes. Uber Uber transfer, you know, yeah. especially with. All the external factors going on with Oregon State specifically right now. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, TJ and I could almost have a podcast just updating you guys on how, you know, the the inner workings of the PAC 12 courts are fighting it out on behalf of Oregon State and Washington State. So that's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing ultimately shakes itself and flushes itself out because, TJ, it's getting. You know, I, I put a note on our on the damn board this week. I threw up a uh, a gif of Harvey Specter and said, you know, the the, yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the beavers. <laughs> are gonna, yeah, the beavers are going to need this guy on their side, because They're it gonna is need getting the big guns. it is getting really legal. And again, don't want to go off on a tangent, but just back to Aiden Childs. I just think the beavers are conscious about making him feel valued and important. Yeah. And if he's a part of the game plan each week, you're not going to feel like you're falling out uh meanwhile again i think barring anything crazy you know i i doubt we're gonna see much of bengal branson if any this year because i think we've kind of seen that childs is officially that number two and not like that was really a question but just you know if there are any quarterback reps behind dj we know where they're gonna go and with you on that you know again i think he played something like four or five snaps so it wasn't really all that much for aiden childs but when he did. You know, that play where he finds Silas Bolden and goes through his reads and finds him just in the corner of that end zone. Very impressive play from the youngster. And, again, not like Cal's the most hostile environment. But from what I could tell on TV, it looked like there was a decent crowd there. So, you know, I mean, nevertheless, still an environment for a young freshman. That's enough on the offense, TJ. I think we kind of covered it. Got to give Jack Velling his props, too. A three-tutty hat trick. Uh, you know, you were uh, obviously doing some board updates for us. So did you think he was just going to have a fantasy explosion kind of a day, TJ?
1: <laughs> well, if you're speaking of fantasy, Brendan, no, I did not pick up Jack Velling. I did not see this coming in the future. <laughs> but, I mean – it's got to be something you're really excited about. People have raved about right. the talent of this tight end room for a couple of years now, especially with Luke Musgrave. percent. You realize, Brendan, that Jack Velling passed Luke Musgrave's career touchdown total at Oregon State just on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, that didn't surprise me because Luke Musgrave, as great as he was, was that guy who I said forever, just because of circumstance, injuries, quarterback play, go watch him be a better pro player than he was a college player. Luke Musgrave, in my opinion, other than those two games that we saw against uh, Boise State and Fresno State, where he was a number one and Chance Nolan looked nowhere else but him. And it didn't matter because he was six foot six and could run like a gazelle. You know, other than that, it was a lot of potential from Luke Musgrave. And, you know, I think we're seeing it now, right? I mean, he's, He's probably, you know, the most comfortable rookie I've seen from an Oregon State player in some time and, you know, fits like a glove. So, you know, all that to say that doesn't really surprise me. because Musgrave's stats were always a little less than I what I thought they could have been for a variety of reasons. But all that's to say, you know, the tight end position, I think, is great for Oregon State. I think Jack Belling is going to do good things this year and he's got room to grow. Uh, and then we'd be remiss, TJ. We didn't it, uh, mention quickly on offense the uh, the Isaac Hodgins package that is ever growing. And I'll just say the shout out to that kid. You know, he's been through so much in his career, been here for a long time. And uh, it was it was great to see, you know, him get worked in. And, you know, it's not like a, uh, you know, like it like uh what do you call it? Like a uh, the Beaver is just trying to do something nice for a senior. He's earned that playing time and he's blocking pretty well at fullback.
1: Yeah. He's the fullback, right? Like that's his role now. I'm He's sure. not exactly Jack Coletto. He, he chuckled this week when someone was asking him, so are you going to get some of those Jack Coletto direct snap touches? Like, <laughs> I don't know if I've earned that yet, but all the blocking, I mean, he says he really loves the opportunity to get out there and really run, Absolutely. which is well, just part of the position. It makes sense. Defensive lineman, especially, I mean, you're just running into somebody. You're not running up field. And he, he, I mean, he smile on his face seemed like he was having the best time. And they can call dial up those plays for him. No one's covering the fullback out of the backfield. Yeah. And that's quite a way for a fifth touchdown pass. I'll say that.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, again, kudos to him. It's going to be fun to watch that role grow. Uh, quickly, moving over to the defense, let's get our gripes out on the defense before we switch gears and uh, move on over to the Bruins and Chip Kelly and company. DJ, uh, uh, a couple questions for you right off the bat because – For me, where this game starts and finishes, watching it on tape again, I don't know if it was really anything stood out to be more, and again, the pro football focus numbers 100% backed it up. TJ, arguably the worst tackling game in Jonathan Smith's tenure and perhaps the worst tackling game since PFF began recording data for Oregon State back in, I think, 14. Like, it was bad. And when I look back at it, it's like, I don't know if Oregon State was necessarily bad defensively, like I thought that you mentioned it earlier. Like I thought that they were against Washington State. Like early in that game against Washington State, you're just playing out bad, right? You're missing coverages. You're this. Against Cal, it really just seemed like it was the the uh, the broken tackles of Afonso. Not even Jaden Ott coming into this game. I thought Jaden Ott would be the guy to kind of really stick it to Oregon State. He still had 85 yards. But Isaiah Afonso, how many times did they miss tackles on that guy, TJ? I mean, he's a little guy, right? Was definitely able to knock off some tackles, but couldn't tackle him. You know, had some tough times, you know, getting taking proper angles to receivers on the edges. It just didn't look like a great defensive game until uh, – actually, I'm going to rephrase. It was not a great defensive game. The Beavers were able to make a lemonade out of lemons – by getting those turnovers, again, Jermon McCoy coming up with a big turnover, and then Sione Lolohea, obviously, with the fumble recovery. But, I mean, not what I expected, TJ, following that game against Utah. I really thought that defense that we saw against Utah would carry, and perhaps it's because even Cal with uh, Mendoza at quarterback is still better than Utah at quarterback. Home road, whatever you want to break it down, it just seems like that defense did not travel again. What were your kind of thoughts on on the defense overall? I mean, did tackling stand out to you the most as well?
1: Tackling was probably the worst thing. I, it was also a little bit on on Cal's. Uh, I, I would say on Cal's side with the with the short, quick game to help help uh, Mendoza out a little bit. Kind of sure. similar to how Washington State runs their offense, just I guess with a little less depth. So when you combine with, I guess, a higher completion percentage and worse tackling, that you know kind of checked out when you go up tempo against this Oregon State defense. The pass rush doesn't really have an effect on the game. You're able to really neutralize it because you're just going so fast. And right, you know, they're going to face more tempo this week with UCLA sure. to the benefit or detriment of UCLA. I don't know how much more effective UCLA's offense is actually going to be. Probably right. less, but. Like the tempo is really affecting them. I I I don't know if we got like a I don't know if we got I we got a great answer this week from any of the defensive players on if the tempo was really really hurting them. They said like the biggest thing with tempo is making sure they're lined up correctly. And I I don't know if being lined up correctly was an issue because we never really thought there were too many blown coverages against Cal. I mean, Cal just operated their offense at a high level, I thought and combined with the, the missed tackles of Oregon State and unable to get off the field on a on a third down, and you think it's some of the other situations too. I mean, Oregon State gives them the ball at the 25-yard line on the onside kick. Then they turn right. it over. Uh, they fumble it on the next drive inside their own territory as well. Both those times, Cal went and scored a touchdown. The Beavers got a stop on a third down, and while Cal was punting away, you got a roughing the kicker penalty that extended yeah. a drive and turned into a touchdown as well that's 21 points of right. the 40 that you gave up right there and i think if the coaching staff was looking at it, it's like hey we clean up these mistakes this is a blowout victory not a not a nail biter." Right. right so point. it depends yep. how it depends how you want to look at it the defense was not good a b it is, the numbers are still skewed a little bit
0: yeah no and i, I think you hit on it there and you know, again, that's one, that was one of the more puzzling things for me was that onside kick. I mean, I understand, you know, why you attempt a little risk. I mean, that's kind of in Jonathan Smith's character is kind of be a little more risky here and there, TJ. But, man, did it blow up in their face really, really quickly. I mean, they, you they know, saw Jonathan something even, they liked. Jonathan said on Monday, he's like, we, sw- we saw something we liked. But, man, that Cal player made a – I forget who it was that returned. But he made a great play. And then you – you know – Give them – I think he ran it all the way down to like the 20, 25, something like that.
1: Yeah. Do, that do you think there would be as much of an uproar if, if he didn't return it?
0: It's a great question. You know, I, I don't think so. No, because, you know, like when I saw it and, you know, was watching it on TV, I was obviously like, huh, okay, well, it's a little odd, but, you know – Jonathan likes to be aggressive, and I measure every. You know, same with the fourth down calls and everything else. I just measure all my critiques and my my basis for judging this Oregon State football team based on what I know about Jonathan Smith as a coach. And I know that with you know Oregon State, he's created this mantra since he's been here: we're going to be aggressive, we're going to play the game aggressively, and maybe that's just kind of how Oregon State has their chip on their shoulder. So, you know, was it a bit odd, perhaps? And you know, the return obviously set up a score, but. You know, at the same token, you know, I think Oregon State, it sounded to me anyway, like when we talked to Jonathan on Monday, didn't sound like he's dissuaded. Like if they feel there's an advantage, they're going to run something that could go either way, right?
1: Yeah, why not? Like, again, I've, I'm all like, I thought all their fourth down decisions in this game were correct. The sure. onside kick was not executed well. I think people would have less of a problem if, oh, there was a scrum at the bottom of the onside kick and Cal happened to sure. come up with the football. I agree. I, we, I don't think people will be complaining as much. Now, it, it's like a worst, 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 worst case scenario when the, the return team merely takes it all the way for a touchdown. That's yeah. what you don't want to happen on that. So, yeah, do I think they should have done the onside kick? No, I don't think they really needed to, especially with how they were moving the ball on offense. And but, – but they did it anyway. And the, if this is yeah. – I think what people want the most is consistency and – Jonathan Smith throughout all of his (laughs) calls has stayed consistent and Hey, look at that. I mean, you, you, how many games have you won the last two season now? 15 and four. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 15 and four. I think people will take the aggressiveness if it, if it pays off with a 15 and four record, it is better than being so passive that you uh, hand the ball off in your own territory where the other team has no timeouts. You fumble, and the other team drives down and scores with no touchdowns remaining. Just <laughs> naming, not naming any names, of course. Uh,
0: being it may be. Get, in,
1: in that it mantra may, is, uh, is. It
0: may be a, it may be a team with a, U, with a logo that looks like this, but we'll, we'll Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, see. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Except actually uh, it
1: looks like this now. That's
0: true. That... <laughs> yeah, never, never a bad time to take a dig at um, old Mario down there. And that was. Uh, quite the decision i i saw uh, obviously when i came back this week but last point on this game TJ. then we need to get to a little ucla were you surprised at how well cal was able to run the ball cal's passing was cal's passing in my opinion but even in oregon state's loss to uc or to washington state on the road they still didn't let Nakia watson do much of anything on the ground cam ward i think had a little bit of rushing just off the top of my head but i don't think it was anything out of control and it was still like well, the secondary, you know, was still the work in progress, but the run defense traveled. I look at this, TJ, they allowed 241 rushing yards in this game. That's going to bring down the average quite a bit because I believe going into the game of Beavers were averaging about a buck 20 something. So how does something like that is a part of that, not having James Rawls and Calvin Hart for the first half is a part of that. The success of just Cal's game plan, because, That, to me, defensively, was the biggest step back because the run defense still traveled even in that loss to Washington State and wasn't an area I would have expected to be a bit of concern in this matchup.
1: Yeah, missing roles, missing Calvin Hart, but we've already highlighted the tackling. I mean, that's where most of the missed tackles was, and it was literally on Isaiah Fonse, who did most of the damage on the ground for Cal that game. The Beavers were there to tackle him a lot. (laughs) very often they were in the hole waiting to tackle him and he would bounce off and go around whoever tried to tackle him like that's i think where it boils down to the most and i think you know they're going to face another team that loves to run the football chip kelly loves running the football but i think they're going to do a little bit better because they can't like the 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 tackling level won't be as it won't be acceptable not the one they put up last week
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we can go ahead and use that as a transition. Now, I think we can talk about that Cal game for a bit longer, but we definitely got to get into, you know, the front. You know what they say, your windshield is big because you're always supposed to be looking front. The rear view is small because you don't look in the back. So Oregon State will happily take the win and, you know, definitely be – as TJ mentioned, you know, in his conversations with the guys this week, definitely taking it to getting back out there and, you know, trying to have a better defensive performance against UCLA and the good news for the Beavers, they play better at home, you know, say what you will about why TJ or, you know, I like to think it's Oregon state fans, It's the familiarity. It's the home field advantage that Reese is, but if Oregon state shows up and brings the same mental fortitude and game plan that they did against Utah, I really like their chances this weekend. Obviously, as you mentioned, Chip Kelly is the godfather or one of the godfathers of the spread offense, particularly the spread offense with running the football. And, you know, Beaver fans know well, you know, they experienced it when it was quite literally unstoppable. And, you know, Chip Kelly had a a perfect record during his time as Oregon's head coach uh, against Oregon State. and. You know, the Beavers obviously got Chip Kelly the last time that the two teams played back in 2019 uh, down in the Rose Bowl. But a lot's changed since then, TJ. That's, you know, crazy enough, DTR was still there for the Bruins. He had been there for about six, seven, eight years, you know, but nevertheless, uh, a new quarterback this year and Dante Moore high, high level recruit. uh, Dante Moore was likely going to be playing in Eugene this year if it hadn't been for Bo Nix coming back for his senior year so. Uh, You know, one situation benefits somebody else. And obviously he comes in, not the starter right away, but has taken on the job. And, you know, like any other freshman, I think the benefit for Oregon State in this game is that he's a freshman and is going to be, you know, playing in a road environment. And that's still something he's kind of getting his feet wet with and experience with. If this game was in the Rose Bowl, even for the lack of home field advantage, it is, I would you know, feel a little more 50-50 on this, but the fact that it's in Reister Stadium, Oregon State's going to bring a better defensive game plan without a doubt after, you know, getting torched for that 40 last week. And I think it'll be a, a a good game. I think it will be, you know, within, you know, probably seven to 10 points. I think I like the Beavers a little bit more than the three and a half three and a half spread has it right now. But uh, for the most part, if, you know, that's kind of my initial thoughts uh, on the matchup. TJ, what uh, what are you looking at in this matchup?
1: Cool. I'm wondering if the total is going to go over 40. I think it's higher mm. than that.
0: 53. I, I, I 53. feel like this is
1: going to be, I that's, I feel like that's too high. Mm. I'm looking at this and it just smells like a Utah match. It smells like the Utah game. It Look, does. You're going to be on the other side and you're going to have an inexperienced blue chip quarterback. Yep. Who in conference play has struggled. Hello, Nate Johnson, everybody. No, actually, no, it's Dante Moore. <laughs> both both have done the same Dante's a little bit better of a passer but you know Dante completed what 44 percent of his passes against Utah and then 50 percent of his passes against Washington State two pretty good defenses uh but now he's going to be playing in the okay I've got to give Rice Eccles its credit so I'll say second hardest environment yeah he'll, for sure he'll step in he'll step in this season and his offense scored a grand total of seven points at rice Eccles stadium it. was tough for him and it's going to be tough for him at research stadium. It's going to be loud. They're going to be, I think the Oregon state defense is going to be super aggressive because they, yeah. they got to get in his face. They got to get him to see things and be confused about what he's seeing yeah, down the field. For sure. And it's been evident in these conference games. He's thrown a pick six in each of his two conference games, mm. each of two so far. So it's, he hasn't been great at, at, at protecting the football. And on top of that, UCLA is not, they're not elite throwing the ball. They're not elite running the ball. They're, they just don't have any strengths on offense. So that leads you to, okay, so which strength then on the other side of the ball is going to win this game? UCLA, in in every game this season, the most points they've given up so far this season is 14 points against the pass, against the run. They are excellent on defense. By the way, fun fact. They have the two highest graded edge guys in the Pac-12 by PFF, the top two. Mm. Mm. And if we think back to when the Beavers played Washington State, it was big that they had to stonewall Brennan Jackson and Ron Stone Jr. Right? They didn't not not good not well enough. Right. And DJ and got pressure in his face. Yeah, these guys are better. DJ got pressure in his face. He looked a little rattled. He, he was he was erratic with the football. Then that's similar to Utah where but the Beavers were able to take advantage of a bad quarterback on the other side and eke out that win get a couple of plays or two from Silas Bolden I think that's what that game this game's going to come down to I mean the Beavers need to make a player two on offense just a player two against this UCLA defense and then you need to make Dante Moore's life a living hell and then I think you come out of this with a victory I don't think it needs to be flashy I don't think you need to hit a certain benchmark running the football i think the papers are probably going to struggle similar to what they did against utah running the football they're not going to hit their season mark on the ground but they make some plays they execute they don't turn the ball over i think they'll be okay
0: yeah the the, a a lot of good points that you hit on talking about ucla's rushing offense that's something i'm looking i'm keeping an eye on this game because like i said Cal got way more rushing yards than I would have expected them to a week ago, and that was way above where Oregon State's, you know, marks were. And I look at this matchup and UCLA running back Carson Steele, TJ, he had 30 carries last week against the Cougars for 141 yards. No touchdowns. I get it, you know, 4.7 yards per carry. But I imagine, you know, you talked about the running. I, if I'm Chip Kelly, I'm definitely going to be looking to expose that Oregon State run defense in the same way that it was exposed against Cal. And again, like you said, part of it's missed tackling. maybe not exposed, that's the right word. But regardless, the yards were still allowed. And then try to work Dante more in a little bit and not put as much pressure on his young quarterback early on. So if going off what you said, if Oregon State can get back to the run defense that we saw against Utah and the run defense we've come to expect and then pin their ears back and be able to put pressure on a young quarterback – I like that matchup and I like, you know, it benefiting Oregon state in that regard. Again, you know, you look at it, Oregon state, UCLA, very similar offensively teams, UCLA, you know, averages, you know, 258 through the air, Oregon state's 245. uh, And then they're both about 200 yards each on the ground. So very similar offenses in this one. And, you know, offenses that, you know, like you said, UCLA struggled to score, but I think they've still had, you know, playmakers and guys capable of getting yards and then defensively, I gave UCLA's defense the nod. Just like going into that game against Oregon State with Utah, I was like, Utah has a better defense than Oregon State, and Oregon State was able to flip that narrative after that game. So again, if this game was down in the Rose Bowl, I think it'd be a lot more of a pick'em. And I'd maybe even give UCLA a one or two point favorite. But the fact that Oregon State's gonna be at home, the fact they're gonna be playing a, you know, 18 year old quarterback uh at Reser Stadium and Again, I believe it's supposed to be maybe a little drizzly. I I saw a few different forecasts, not supposed to be particularly cold, but some rain maybe in the forecast for this weekend. That would obviously uh, further deter a young quarterback, you know, playing in conditions. So I think if Oregon State's, you know, defense can stop the run or at least limit it, that will go for everything in this matchup. So I think you have to get off what you allowed last week and then, you know, force the action there. And then uh, conversely, offensively, I think running the ball is going to be tough, TJ. I mean, you think back to that game against Utah, how Oregon State, Damian Martinez, was able to get his longest run and his rushing touchdown against the Utes all on that first offensive drive before Utah then made it really, really tough for the Beavers to run the ball from there out. I mean, again, Deshaun Fenwick had one yard rushing against Utah. So it was, you know, real, like, you know, Oregon State was able to, get a little bit of traction while Utah was kind of bending a little bit. UCLA, as I look at it, 65 yards rushing on the ground per game, TJ. That's going to be tough, even with, you know, being at home. So I think Oregon State's offensive line, the status of Talese Fulago is going to be huge. Uh, The onus will be on them to open up holes to start that run game because if UCLA shuts down Oregon State's run game, we've seen DJ be able to make plays now. We've seen it. You know, he's had a game where – You've had to you know, go with his arm to have you go win a game. But the thing that I'm curious about is if UCLA, with those rushers that you mentioned, can pin their ears back and come after DJ if Oregon State can't run the ball, if Oregon State would be able to, be able to find anything offensively.
1: Well, they'll have to. They want to win this game. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's as simple as that. You cannot let the UCLA defense win this matchup. You can't right. because – then that negates the advantage you have at home. You can't let that defense travel. Agreed. You can't, yep. you can't shed away the advantage of facing a young quarterback at home by letting the opposing defense swarm you in the time I have been here covering Oregon State football since the two thousand the start of the 2021 season. I haven't seen a team come in here and shut down this Oregon State offense on defense. And I sure don't expect it to to start on Saturday.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup. And again, five o'clock Reser Stadium, Fox, if you can't catch it uh, in person, but uh, I expect uh, Reser to be very full. I believe it's a sellout for this weekend. TJ, correct me if I'm wrong there, but 99% sure it's a sellout for this matchup. So it's going to be a raucous environment at Reser in the last you know game we mentioned before the uh, the bye weeks. I imagine fans are going to be getting out there uh, looking to uh, cheer on the beeves, But Nevertheless, stay tuned to beaversedge.com. We will continue to have coverage leading up to this matchup. TJ, Dylan, and I will give our predictions. We'll also have the injury report. Uh, We'll have a closer look at UCLA. A whole bunch more stuff uh, leading into this matchup with the Bruins. So uh, that'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the podcast. Make sure to stay locked to beaversedge.com for everything leading up to the matchup. And even in-game, join our in-game chat and discussion as uh, we'll be providing updates on the damn board. You can talk to me. Talk to TJ, talk to Keenan, anybody that we're going to have there uh, at the game on Saturday. So it's going to be a fun matchup and one we're excited to bring you guys coverage of. Uh, big thanks to TJ Matthewson for joining me on this edition of the podcast. TJ, you will be off next week. It's your turn to go on vacation this next week. We'll see you uh, back in two weeks uh, here on the Edge Pod, man. Have fun. Sounds good. And uh, make sure to stay locked. TJ and I will be uh, at Reese this Saturday before he heads off on his trip as well. So, Again, big thanks to everyone for listening to this edition of The Edge Podcast.